You know, when John asked me uh, to share, I, uh, I said, no, I, you know, I, I feel like that season is over and we've got a pastor and, and it's his season. And uh, about one o'clock in the morning, I felt like the Lord woke me up and uh, just dropped the message in my spirit. And I always liked it when I was the senior pastor and that happened because sometimes I would have to struggle to get in that vein of the Holy Spirit and know that it was him preaching a message through me, not me preaching the message. How many know you can do a good thing or you can do a God thing? And you get to a certain point in your life and hopefully the only choice you have is, am I going to do a good thing or am I going to do a God thing? And you're not going to do a bad thing. So either way, God's going to bless you, but one of them will be anointed and one of them will be okay. And some of you over the years that have been here, you told me what a great message it was when you left and I knew you were lying. I knew, I knew you were just lifting me up. It was not a great message, but the next week, maybe it was. But I appreciate the encouragement, the exhortation. But then when the message dropped in my spirit, and I knew it was for me too. I don't think I've ever, and John, you probably haven't either. I don't think I've ever preached a message in this church in all of the years or anywhere I've gone that wasn't for the people, but it was also for me. And uh, I was gleaning what I needed to hear from the Spirit of God also. And then God spoke to me and said that, that he said, do you know what day it is? And I'm thinking, well, yes, the 14th of July. I really hadn't considered that as the Sundays go in the years, this is the anniversary of the church. This is the Sunday we started the church. And when God spoke to us to come back to Lafayette, the first message that Sunday that Pam was talking about with my former wife on the front row was, uh, I couldn't believe it, but it was eat your heart out, honey. <laughs> I'm just, for all of you visitors, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the message today is, <laughs> The message today is, is that God dropped in my heart is count it all joy. Count it all joy. If you'll keep your joy, you'll never be depressed. You'll never be discouraged. You might be disappointed for a moment or two, but the moment comes quickly and the joy comes. I love joy. I love godly humor. Sometimes I get a little off and my wife says that was not godly humor, but that's okay. I get back on again. But uh, can I tell them the story? <laughs> Can I tell them the story about the MRI, or is that I shouldn't tell that one? Then we're going to sit down, by the way. You don't stand up all the time. We'll sit down in a minute, in a minute, in a minute. Wait, I want to tell you a quick story. All right, go ahead and sit down. How many of you heard the story about the little little boy? He's four years old, and is, uh, is that Sheila all the way back there? Sheila, it's good to see you. Sheila's from a place we love down in Bradenton. Well, Lafayette and Bradenton. But little, uh, the pastor was invited to the home to uh, have lunch with this particular family in the congregation. And they all sit down for dinner. And the mother said to the little four-year-old, kind of making me think of a little uh, Molly, <clears throat> said, well, uh, why don't you pray? And the little four-year-old shook her head no and said, come on, pray. You've heard mommy pray before. And the little four-year-old looked at mommy and been around mommy, getting ready for the dinner and everything. And says, okay, mommy, God, why did I invite that pastor over this Sunday? <laughs> she had heard her mommy praying and crying out to God. 
How many of you know four-year-olds can say the darndest things? Remember the old, are you old enough to remember the Art Linkletter show? And we're going to James 1, uh, chapter two, or verse 2 and 3 in just a moment, but uh, this particular person, one of the beautiful little lady we had on the piano today, by the way, glory to yeah. God. But, my wife, was having, my wife was having an MRI. Now, I think that most of my humor is godly humor. I really do. And she was having an MRI, and she said, would you go with me and hold my hand? Well, how sweet is that? Uh, and what husband would ever say no? And I said, sweetheart, I will be there. And uh, this was before they threw me out of the room. <laughs> but but so, so they got her all prepared and got her on the tube and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, so they called me in to hold her hand. And I walked in and it just felt like a heaviness. How many of you know what heaviness feels like? You know spiritual heaviness when you feel it. And when I walked in, it just felt heavy to me. And I said, what are we going to do if she gets stuck in there? And, and the heaviness didn't disappear. It intensified. And the nurses, I think, or whatever they were, didn't, they didn't even want me there. And you didn't even want me there. And I thought I had arrived with great levity in the situation. You know, we need to reach the point when we do what it says in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. And it says that count it all joy. No matter what happens in your life, no matter what situation or circumstance, what are we going to count it? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to learn to count today. You count it all joy. You get a cheerfulness about you, and you are not going to entertain disappointment. You're not going to allow disappointment to get a hold of you, even when disappointment comes. There's not a single one of you here that have not been disappointed by something. All of us have. The question is, how long are we going to stay in that period of disappointment? Now, in John chapter 15, verse 11, we're going to go there and look at what the Scripture says, because we've just established that we're going to count it all joy. Is that correct? So I love participation. So let's all say it. From now on, I'm going to count it all joy. I may seem weird. I may seem peculiar. But I'm going to keep my joy. Now in James chapter, or John chapter 15, verse 11, this is what Jesus said to each and every one of us. And we're going to read three scriptures here. Because if you get a, a, a hold of this, you will walk in a different dimension in your life. It isn't that things won't happen. I've been studying the end times, and, and the, the, God has given me messages on the end time. And, and it's not for today, for this church, but, but it, the messages, I believe, are current. But I believe we are entering into a tribulation period where all hell is fixing to break loose, and it's breaking loose around the world right now. But if you study what Jesus told us was going to happen in 2 Timothy, when Paul talked, and in Jesus talking in Matthew 24, he said, this is what's going to happen just before the rapture of the church. So everybody say, it's all good. Tell your neighbors, it's all good. It's not going to be postponed. What Jesus said is going to happen is going to happen. And we are one day closer today than we were yesterday. And tomorrow we're going to be one day closer. And when you read the events, I, I have people calling me. And they're saying, have you got your gun? Have you got your food? Have you got your spam? Have you got, you know, all the food perishable and all this kind of stuff? Folks, there's nothing wrong with being prepared. If you live where Sheila does down in Bradenton, they have hurricane week. 
And then Hurricane Week, in, in the first week, I believe it is in June, they bring everybody together and they prepare you for the worst case scenario of a hurricane. So you'll have electricity, you'll have water, you'll have food, you'll have things to protect yourself. And you'll be in a position that if the un If that thing comes that you don't want to come, you'll be ready for it. Well, we need to know what's ahead of us. And we know that Jesus said it's going to be a lot of problems. There are going to be wars and rumors of wars. The children are going to be rebellious and all sorts of things are going to happen. Now, I don't believe they're going to happen to each and every one of us, but they are going to happen. You know that you have experienced things that have taking your joy. Let me see if I got the right group here. How many of you realize that there are times in your life you had anything but joy? And you know what happened to your body, happened to your mind, happened to the discouragement that you felt, the challenges you felt. But once that joy comes back, it is a spiritual force of power that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit deposited in you has joy. And in John chapter 15, verse 11, this is what Jesus said. Because if you're here and you would say, I hope this works, glory to God. If you're here and you have Jesus in your heart, then you have the Holy Spirit. So this is what Jesus has done in your life. You are just a cup of water. No, this is what Jesus has done in your life. Hallelujah. I better get my message out here. I think I have this down, but I want to know. This is what God told me. And what happens is, in John chapter 15, verse 11, excuse me, I have, it's so embarrassing to stand from the congregation and have a runny nose. I came up here... This morning, I, I got so excited to preach this morning. I, I finally woke up and I thought, guys, this is really going to be fun. I'm gonna, I'm, this has been a long time. And then I came in here and I forgot my medication. Now, I don't know how many of you realize this, but recently, within the last couple of years, I, I let the doctors practice on me. I don't think there's anything <laughs> wrong with me, but they thought that I needed some help. I think they needed practice in their resume. So about 10 years ago, they put two stents in my heart because they thought I need them. Ah, whatever. I don't think so. Then they decided to put six more in there. I didn't know you could have eight stents in your heart, but apparently you can. And then this doctor, he says, you got to take this medicine. I said, how long? He said, the rest of your life. I said, I don't want to take that the rest of my life. He said, well, you don't have to. Well, that's what I want to hear. I said, well, I didn't like his face when he said that. And I said, well, what happened if I don't, don't take it? And he said, you'll die. And I said... <laughs> I, now, I can relate to that kind of a doctor. How many of you guys can relate to that kind of a doctor? He says, you'll die. And I said, well, I guess I'll take the medicine then. So this morning when I came in, I got so excited, I didn't take any of my medicine. I asked Elizabeth, I said, we go home, get my medicine for me. I don't want to die in front of the congregation. <laughs> Actually, I didn't tell you that part about dying in front of the congregation. That's exactly what I thought. I said, and now, and now... The doctor tells me that for the rest of my life, I have to carry. He's wrong because I forgot it last time I went to Sudan. I have to carry nitro pills. And that way, if I get wacko, I can just take a couple of these, suck them down, and don't have to go see them. And uh, I would rather laugh and be happy than ever be disappointed. I could look at all of that and say, oh, my goodness, what don't have Actually, this is how I went in the operating room with Pam the first time, two stints ago. And then the last time, the next two, I said, honey, if I don't come out of here, you want to go ahead and get remarried. 
You go right ahead. Just don't hold them up to my standards. <laughs> and she said both times, that's not funny. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> now, this is what Jesus said in John 15, chapter 11. These things I have spoken to you. Everybody say, that's me. In other words, he's summing up everything that he said here up to this point. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy would be what? It would be full. Now we'll see if this little thing works. Actually, I did this over in, uh, I did this in another country one time. They thought it was hilarious. We'll see if you're as smart as them. <laughs> but but I, I felt like the Lord uh, showed me this example that, that you have, when you receive Jesus and the Holy Spirit, you are full of joy. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of joy when you got him. But then how many of you found out that the disappointments didn't stop coming? They just kept right on coming. And what they want to do is steal your joy. Joy is a power. Joy is medicinal. Uh, Psalms 17.22 says that a merry heart doeth good like a... When you laugh, you're medicating yourself. You laugh, you know. She's trained. Watch this, watch this. You know. I'll tell you that story some other time. <laughs> but, but, but there are, there are actual endorphins, and, and many of you already know this, but, there are, but, but if you really knew it, then you'd practice it all the time. There are endorphins that are in your mind, in your brain, and that when you are happy and when you laugh and when you are cheerful and joyful, the endorphins come from your mind into the body, and they're like an opiate. So if you've ever wanted opium or something like that, don't do that. Just laugh. But it <laughs> flows to the nerve ends, and you feel better about yourself. We were at a wedding one time up in, where was it? Chicago. Chicago. Mike followed me into the restroom. <laughs> Be able to watch that. He followed me in the restroom. Well, I finished before he did, so I came out and I turned the lights out. There, there were <laughs> Everywhere I go, Mike tells that story today about me turning the lights out on him in the bathroom. I thought it would be funny. He came out. He, I don't know how many people he's told, and every time he tells it, people start to laugh. You know what? If you laugh a lot, you are medicating your body. Did you know that? And most of us need to self-medicate. You've heard this before over the years, I'm sure, from me and many others. Some people brighten the room when they enter it. Some people brighten the room when they leave it. You need to be the brightener when you walk into the room and people look at you and say, what is different about that person? It isn't that you don't have problems confronting you. It isn't that you don't have disappointments. It's the fact that you're going to look at what God said. The most important thing in my life next to my, the Lord and, and, and the Bible is this little book. This is what I think God has told me. And when I write it down, then this is my compass. This is, this is what navigates me. This is what I meditate. This is what I think so that my mind will be renewed. And I know that God said, if you don't lose your joy, then you won't lose what I've called you to do. Jerry Seville, years ago, some of you may know Jerry. Somebody tell me when I need to, when do we end? I've never been here to end a service. Now we've got three. Tell me when, tell me when. 
Oh, we got to watch up there. Clock. 940. We got 12 more minutes. Well, oh, no, we got 22. He wrote a book. That if Satan can't steal your joy, he can't steal your goods. And there's something about joy that just excites people. I, I was wrestling with this just recently. I'm going to get this water in just a minute. But this trip that we took in, in March, and thank God for all of you that were praying for us. Thank God for all of you that financially supported us. But uh, you've, you've heard part of the story when we went over with Purdue University to see if they would become involved in the agricultural outreach for the nation. And uh, it, it's moved, we're not free and to make an announcement yet, but it is really, really looking good. I am free to say this that the government of the South Sudan has extended an offer for Purdue University to become involved and help the nation become all that they, yeah. So you can praise God over that. And uh, it, I, I believe very shortly we'll have an announcement to make that is just going to be phenomenal. But we were $7,000, and some of you might have heard this story, $7,000 short going up to the last almost two weeks before that service. And everybody had given. It was just more expensive than we had. We had dinners planned with, with the uh, government of the South Sudan. So it, it just, just began to snowball and snowball. And, and we were $7,000 short. And I told the Lord, I said, you don't tell God things. But I was explaining to the Lord that, God, I don't know anything to do but do something that I've always preached not to do. Do something I've always told people, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and it doesn't even line up with Scripture. I'm going to put it on a credit card. It's all I know to do. I was thanking God I had the amount of money on the credit card to use. And, uh, but I knew it was the wrong thing to do, but I didn't know anything else to do. Being a person of integrity, I had the bills already committed, expenses already rolling, and we needed to spend the money. And uh, so I, I just prayed, God, I don't know what to do. Now, God has always come through when he's shown me what to do. How many of you have had God always come through for you at, in your opinion, what appeared to be the 11th hour? In your opinion, it appeared to be the last 11th hour. Now, somebody told me years ago, I think it was Billy Joe, God doesn't have a clock, so he didn't know it's the 11th hour. But he knows when he's going to do it, and he's just watching you to see if you keep your joy, keep your faith, and stay focused. And, and so when I was praying, all I heard was Alaska, Alaska. Now, I don't know how God speaks to you, but I wish God would speak to me in complete sentences with adjectives. Bill, this is what I want you to do, and the phone number I want you to call. Is, he seems to leave the work up to me to do what will position me for the blessing he has for me. I don't know if you feel that way, but it seems to me like when God's hand moves for me, it's because I did what he said to do. And then the rest falls into place. And all I heard was Alaska, Alaska, Alaska. And I, I thought, well, I, I don't know about Alaska. I don't know anything up there. Sarah Palin's from Alaska. Oh, there was a couple that blessed us financially many years ago. And I thought, what, what am I supposed to do? I said, email, email. Now, I know God can complete sentences, but it's just like email, email, email. And so I thought, okay, okay. So I sent this couple an email. And I just told them what was going on, what we're doing. I told them exactly what I just told you. Got an email back from the guy two hours later. He said, I'm sitting at my desk praying and asking God, what is the next venture you want me to become involved with financially and to pray for? 
And my wife called me and said, honey, I just got an email from the Micklers. I think you want to read it. I want to help with the sedan. I'm sending you a check for the $7,000. And if you need more, let me know. Glory to God. Now, I tell you what, my joy should have been strong going into that. It was a lot stronger coming out of that. <laughs> now, I think what we've got to do is get to the point when we realize if I'm doing what God's called me to do, the joy of the Lord is my strength and he's going to take care of me and I'm going to be what God's called me to be. And everywhere I go, I'm going to be a blessing. So we got the fullness of joy and it's in us. But let me see the hands of all the people that you've had some disappointments maybe this year. Maybe some things didn't work out. Looks like all of you. So the disappointment comes. And all of a sudden, that disappointment, we'll see how this works with this cup. This is not the best cup to use. Hmm, I got a better idea. Once the water's in there, it's not working. It would have been better if I experimented before. So all of a sudden, these disappointments. How many of you had one disappointment this year? How many of you had two? Okay. How many of you had three? How many of you had four? How many of you can't count the number of disappointments you have had? It can happen. So all of a sudden, that joy that was in us, that's running. My nose is running. Glory to God. But I medicated. And all, all of a sudden, all this, this isn't working worth a darn. I started to say crap, but I know that's wrong. Okay. You get the picture. So what happens is, you take that leaky cup, just visualize, you take that leaky cup of your joy running out all over the place, and you get back in line with God, and you realize that God gave me His joy, the joy that His Son had, I'm going to let that take care of me, and I'm not going to lose my joy anymore. And I have made a decision over the years, I'm not going to lose my joy. I'm going to keep my joy. No matter what happens, it's going to be okay. <clears throat> Nobody had more persecution and disappointment than Paul. And if you have your Bible, you can turn the book of Acts, because I want to read to you how he was finishing up his race. It's Acts, I think it's chapter 22. I'm not sure I got the right scripture there. I think it's Acts chapter 20. My wife called me up when I was praying and told me about this scripture because she knew what I was going to preach on. Acts chapter 20. This is what it says. And see now I go, Paul, talking about all that he's been through and the disappointments. And see now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. Now, when you study the end times, there are some interesting times going to be coming. And I'm telling you, you don't have to go out and buy food, buy water, buy a gun, or be prepared for anything other than what the Holy Spirit shows you. But when the Holy Spirit tells you what to do, you better do it. And you better be ready. And the Holy Spirit is full of joy. And you will walk through it encouraging people, exhorting people, and edifying people. And the more I study and the more people I talk to, there are a lot of people that are losing their joy. I'm not going to lose my joy over who is or isn't in the White House. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not either. I'm not going to lose my joy over what Congress does or doesn't do. First of all, I think once you get in the, belt, in the beltway of Washington, something goes wacko with people. I'm not really sure, but they seem to lose their common sense. But we're not going to lose our joy no matter who, because we serve who? The Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And he has a plan. 
He knows how this is going to end. And that's why the, tri- the tribulation that Jesus talked about that's coming, God has orchestrated this is how it's going to end. This is what's going to happen before the rapture. And my people need to know so that they can prepare. Not to lose your joy, but to be encouraged that we are one day closer to that trumpet. One day closer to the call of God taking us on. But the joy that you walk into a room with will attract people to the Jesus in you. And when they see what you have in the midst of all hell breaking loose everywhere else, they're going to want what you have. And this is what it says that goes on to say, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. In other words, no matter what's going to happen in Paul's life, He's not going to lose his joy. No matter what's going to happen in your life, we're not going to lose our joy. Let's all say, I'm not going to lose my joy. Happy all the time. What's a guy's book? The guy just wrote a book. Happy, happy, happy. I just read it. <laughs> Phil, Phil, Phil Robertson, uh, Duck Dynasty guy. Happy, happy, happy. Happy, happy, happy. Happy, happy, happy. I'm happy all the time. Don't you know you got a problem? You know, sometimes people will try to remind you that you have a problem. We all have disappointments looming some. How many of you found that your life is going absolutely perfect? The kids are lined up. The grandkids are lined up. Everybody's doing well. Your in-laws, your outlaws, everybody's just going awesome. And everybody is blessing you. It ain't going to happen all the time. (laughs) However, you don't have to lose your joy. Your focus will determine your joy. You focus that I'm full of joy everywhere that I go. I can bring encouragement to people. I'm never going to get down. Well, what happens when something goes bad? I'll deal with it at the time, but I'm going to turn it into some type of a joyful situation. This happened years ago, and some of you have heard this story. My friend Bill Lay, who probably one of my best friends uh, ever. We never spent any time together, but when we got together, we just picked up. We laughed all the time. We just seemed to laugh all the time. In the first funeral he did, he called me and he said, Bill, you've done funerals before. I haven't done a funeral. Won't you come help me? Fine. I thought it would help him to tell jokes on the way down to the funeral home. Didn't seem to help him at all. As a matter of fact, seemed to perturb him. He didn't particularly <laughs> like it. And uh, so I thought, well, what do you want me to go along for? Because you know I'm a funny guy, or at least try to be. I know, I'm not, I know I'm not always funny, but I always think I'm funny. My wife will tell me sometimes, you're not funny. And I said, well, I think I'm funny. And then I'll look at her and I'll say, you know. And then she does that, and I think, well, that must be funny. So, so, so I'm trying to bring all this humor. The situation was a tragic situation. 20-year-old girl uh, jump-started a car, a stick shift in the front of the car, car as they accelerate when they do when they're cold, accelerated, took her right through the end of the garage, killed her instantly. Horrible situation. So he was really uptight, and I was trying to help him. And so when we got ready to do the service... He said, I'll go up and I will open the service and then you'll come up and do the obituary and then Mark Crow's wife will sing from the balcony and da-da-da. No, I said, that's fine. So I, uh, the obituary is real fine for me to do. So when we got in the service, it was a somber occasion. Well, you can't just walk into an occasion like that and say, and by the way, joy of the Lord's your strength, why are you guys all down? I mean, this is a horrible tragedy. So we're sitting there, I'm sitting there, and Bill goes up to open the service, and he turns around to come back, and he trips over the wire on the podium, knocks the light out, falls down on his knees right in front of me. And he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and he's got this look like, 
my first funeral, he didn't say this, but it was like my first funeral and I look like an idiot. And I'm looking at him like, you do look like an idiot. I don't even know what he's saying. And I started laughing and I just couldn't stop it. I tried to hold it back and I'm sitting just about here and the family is sitting right here, the, the mother of the deceased. And I'm thinking, oh God, please rapture me out of here something. I, I do not know what to do. How many of you know what, what you, it's like when you get tickled? It's just like, it just keeps, you try to think about something else, comes right back to you. you go, like, that's the way it was. And then Bill starts getting like that. And so pretty soon we, he got through it and Jennifer sang and all that went all right. So we're at the gravesite. And uh, I'm thinking I need to apologize to the mother. She saw it all happen. I need to apologize. I don't know what to do. And so finally we're, we're standing at the gravesite, and I decided not to go up and say anything with the mother. I, so I just kind of left, and here comes the mother. And she's coming right to me, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm really going to get it, and I deserve it. So I'm really going to get it. She came up to me, and she said, I saw what happened. And I want you to know it was exactly what I needed. I just felt during that whole service joy in my heart. And I just wanted you to know that. I started crying because I thought she's really going to get me. <laughs> you know, when, when you have that joy, it's, it's almost something that's hard to explain, isn't it? It's like I'm facing all of this stuff and I feel so happy. But you're going to face this stuff anyway. Things are going to happen. But if you'll get focused on where God wants you to go and that joy, I, I believe that, 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 and I remember reading the book by Jerry Seville, and he said that when he first went into a ministry, he didn't have any joy. It was just like this. And when things didn't go bad, he would, he would hide out and, you know, he would just kind of pull the covers up over his head because he just didn't know what it was. But then he said, God showed him that you, you're losing your joy and that the joy is something that you must tenaciously hold on to. Now, in John chapter 16, verse 33, Jesus said that in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Now, that word has a dual meaning if you look it up in the Greek. It means to be happy, to be joyful, and to be courageous. It's a strong word. It's a command word. It's like happy and courageous. Oh, glory to God. What happened today? There's no bread at Marsh. Well, praise God, we'll eat crackers today and we'll have a great time. How many of you have ever been to the grocery store in a snowstorm? My milk is gone. What am I going to do? How about drinking water and be happy? Happy, happy, happy. I love the title of that book. I read that book. It's a real fun book. Happy, happy, happy. He says, the thing that makes me happy, happy, happy is to blow the heads off ducks. <laughs> I guess if that floats your boat, that's what you need to do. Now, I want to share with you, we're just about there, aren't we? I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to pray for you because it's, it's, a, it's an uplifting message. It's a happy message. How many of you believe you need more joy in your life? You really do. You really do. God has a sense of humor. How many of you believe God has a sense of humor? We go in the nursing homes. In the very beginning, we started our church. And I was in all the nursing homes. or we I think we were in all the nursing homes. And Pam's mom at the time would come and play. And I'd tell the people, I said, God has a sense of humor. He wants you happy. 
And I'd always have her play or sing or somebody, Mary Hart doeth good like a medicine. Mary Hart doeth good like a medicine. And they look at her. And I'd say, you guys need to smile. I knew it was healthy for them. You guys need to smile. I said, if you don't think God has a sense of humor, just look at that person next to you. They go like this. <laughs> and they just break out laughing as they would look at one another. And I can't tell you how many times I would do that in the nursing home. And they would just crack up. But God does. He's full of joy. And he loves us. And he wants us to be full of joy. He wants us to have a happy time down here serving him. He wants you to be happy, happy, happy. But there are three things that are constantly coming against you. Some of you may be suffering in that particular arena right now. Number one, and we all do this together, we have disappointments. Disappointments come. Disappointments are just that things do not go the way you had hoped they would. That's a disappointment. We all get disappointed. Get rid of it quickly. Cast it off and say, look, it is what it is. That's a kind of a worldly saying right now, but it's very appropriate. It is what it is. I can't change what happened. I'm not going to let it affect me. I'm not going to focus on it. It's a disappointment. I'm not going to focus. But if you don't deal with your disappointment quickly, then your disappointment, number two, will become discouragement. All discouragement is simply a lack of courage and a lack of cheerfulness in your heart. And when that happens, you will start to focus on the discouragement instead of all the wonderful things that are going on. I could think about this right now. I got eight stints in my heart. Oh, my goodness. That means I can't even get insurance. But I had the insurance before it happened. <laughs> so if I check out tomorrow, you know. <laughs> If I checked out tomorrow, I'm going to check out happy. Because when I close my eyes, I'm going to open my eyes and see Jesus. And I am sure hoping I hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I love my wife. I want to spend a lot of years with her. But if I go tomorrow, oh, glory to God, I'll be fine. You'll have the memories. And the money. <laughs> so you got to deal with discouragement. I'm not going to focus on my eight stints other than to say, hey, I got them. What the heck? Take a little pill now and then. I'm going to live until I die. So why not live joyful doing what God called me to do? Somebody said, can you go to the Sudan with eight stints? I guess. I, I somewhat proven it. I got Brad to help me every once in a while. He sees me laying over in the bed. <laughs> he wonders if I'm going to make it back or not. <laughs> And, uh, and then the third thing, if you don't deal with discouragement and let that lack of courage get a hold of you because of a lack of joy. See, what we do is try to change the situation. There are situations in your life you can't change. There are situations we've faced for over 20 some years. They haven't changed. But joy will change the way you view the circumstance. It won't change the circumstance, but it'll change the way you view the circumstance. So then if you don't deal with those two, you're going to get depressed. Let's stand. And once you get depressed, whoa, you got a problem. And there are a lot of people today medicated for depression. And the problem is they don't have any joy in their life. And you get joy in your life, 
you're excited about life, you're happy about life, every day is a new day to focus on what God is doing, and you say, this is the day the Lord has made, I shall rejoice. And somebody comes up to you and says, don't you know that da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da? I say, yeah, but I'm not thinking about that. Why don't you think about that? Because my God told me to have my mind renewed. My God told me that I should be blessed coming and going, and that I should be a blessing coming and going. And when I think depressing thoughts, I can't bless anybody. But when I think good, pure, wholesome thoughts, I can be a blessing everywhere that I go. Would you bow your heads with me? We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.